I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This is Once Upon a Gene, and I'm your host, Effie Parks. Did you know that Once Upon a Gene is now also a talk show on the Disorder Channel? Oh, yeah. Download it on your Roku or your Amazon Fire. Episode three is out now, and we're talking about the heavy lifting of rare disease parenting, the literal kind, and what exercises will help save your backs. I'm constantly seeing posts on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere about what therapies to commit to for our kids and lots of questions about hippotherapy specifically. So I asked Ford's therapist to join me so they could tell us all about it. Ford's been doing hippotherapy for oh, about a year and a half now, and it is the one I pay for out of pocket because it is so valuable. We go to a local place here called Little Bit Therapeutic Writing Center, and I cannot say enough good things about them. So hopefully this answers your wonderings and your questions about whether or not hippotherapy or therapeutic writing is for you or your child. There's so many benefits to it. There's so many physical benefits, strengthening muscles, preventing bone weakness, joint dislocation. It improves balance and enhances hand-eye coordination, like all the things. Not to mention the magical spirit of a horse. So I'm really excited for you to hear my episode. Please enjoy my conversation with Kelsey and Christina. Hello, ladies. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so happy you made it. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to talk to me about Little Bit and hippotherapy. Absolutely. It's something we both love. So... Kelsey and Christina, can you each give me a little bit of background about your job and your avenue towards hippotherapy? Sure. I am an occupational therapist and I have been at little bit about five years. I've been at OT about five years and did my field work here initially when I was a student. And I I grew up riding horses, but had never hadn't heard of occupational therapy or hippotherapy until I was actually a criminal justice major and wasn't loving that path and heard about hippotherapy. And so kind of switched gears and applied to OT school. And here I am. You went to OT school because you heard that you could do OT on a horse? Yes. <laughs> I I looked at I looked at speech physical therapy and OT and OT just kind of seemed to be the best fit for me. I love that. But yes, the end goal was to be doing this. I love that. <laughs> and how about you, Kelsey? I'm a PT, so physical therapist. And I've been a physical therapist for 5 years now. For those years, I've been working at Little Bit, initially part-time, and then now I'm about to come up on my anniversary of three years as the Director of Therapy Services here. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I just love Little Bit so much. We're not going to talk too much about it specifically as a therapy center, but tell me a little bit about it itself. 
little bit is this amazing organization that's been around for many years doing a couple different programs. The The main one we obviously are going to talk about is the hippotherapy program, which is the therapy portion of this, where we perform therapy services, occupational therapy, physical therapy, and then we also have speech therapists here using the equine movement to help reach our goals. We do have a few other programs. The two main ones are our adaptive riding program, which is a recreational activity using hor- riding horseback but is taught by instructors that are certified to adapt their lessons to adjust to individuals' special needs. And then our newest program is our equine facilitated psychotherapy program. Uh, The majority of this is actually done on the ground and it works more on the mental aspect of things and working on therapy with behavioral therapists and combining with our instructors and working in more of that aspect of the therapy world. So when you say on the ground, do you mean without a horse? On the ground with a horse. So they use the interaction with a horse without riding it. So the stuff is done um, with the person on the ground, an instructor and their therapist using the interaction with the horses. Horses are great at mirroring emotions and showing us their emotions and reactions, which can help both kids and adults learn and kind of internalize their emotions and relate and build off of that. Mm, I love that. You do get that already from the hippotherapy itself. So this just sounds like maybe a more intense and focused direction for that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. You know, most of our therapies kind of overlap because our body is, you know, a universal system. You can't work on just one thing without affecting the others. So you get to that great part in our sessions, but this is done with a mental health professional to kind of really focus on. That's their main goals. Wow, that's awesome. So especially good for those kids with anxiety and like maybe really high sensory issues and behavioral issues. Yeah, that tends to be the ones that we refer over My first question to families when they ask about all three programs is always what their goals are for their child or for their adult, because we have adult programs in all three of these also, depending on what their goal are, whether it's the mental aspect, whether it's a recreational, just getting out and doing something, or whether it's a therapy, speech, occupational, physical goal, and that kind of can help guide which one of these programs can connect with you. That's so cool. Is there any type of kid or writer that is perhaps too medically complex for any of these types of therapies? Or have you all found a way to make it work for, you know, those kids who maybe have a lot of extra tubing or trachs or whatever? Every kid or adult is evaluated. The evaluation varies based on the program. So they look at different needs and even the type of therapy itself within hippotherapy. We have a lot of different horses here and some are more exposed to tubes and some of the other processes. So it's what we call a precaution, meaning it's something we have to look at case by case to find out whether it's the best and safest fit to reach those goals. So it's not that we accept everyone in that way. Sometimes though we will, our goal usually is to find a program that works for you. So I have done therapy and we do have a few clients currently that are doing therapy in an unmounted, it's like a PT or an OT therapy without actually getting on the horse and doing some of that groundwork like the EFP program because it's a better, safer fit for their overall body. 
I love that. There are people that are not medically appropriate to come in. I want to say that, but we do try to find you a way to get an interaction um, in one of our programs here. Okay, excellent. And is there an ideal age for someone to start hippotherapy or any of these other types of therapy with the horse or is just getting in at any point super beneficial? For hippotherapy, you have to be at least two years old. I would say a lot of our clients tend to start closer to three, but two is our path standard that we have to follow. For our adaptive program, um, which is the recreational riding, you have to be at least five years old. And the EFP, I do not know that there is a, I think it's a five-year-old, but I'd have to double check that fact. Okay. And Christina, you're actually Ford's OT for his hippotherapy that he's been doing for a a little over a year. Mm -hmm. And he's obsessed (laughs) with both of you. We have a lot of fun together. So I was wondering if you could tell me perhaps the changes that you've seen in Ford physically, socially, emotionally Mm -hmm. from when he started to kind of where he is now in writing one day a week for a year. Yeah, absolutely. I met Ford. I actually met you guys before you started here when I did my neurodevelopmental training course. And I think Ford was just two then. And so it was about, I guess he was a little over three when he started at little bit. So when he started, I like his legs were so tight that we could barely get him on the horse. Like I purposely picked a horse that was narrower to, to give him a good stretch, but not be too much for his legs and his hips. But yeah, it was very hard for him to even be on there and he could not sit up by himself at all on the horse or off the horse. And then really within the first three or four sessions, his legs relaxed so much and I just had to give him less and less help when he was up there. And so because of that, because he was able to engage his core and relax his legs and relax through his hips and sit up, we could start playing games and working on stuff with his control, with his hands, being able to look around and interact with myself and the volunteers and now dad there. And his confidence, I think, has just grown so much too. I mean, as a, and I see this a lot with two, three, four-year-olds that start, they're so little and a horse is a big animal. And so it's normal to be a little bit fearful of that, but it's always just really cool to see how kids gain that confidence and that bond with the horse and horses, I think like Kelsey had mentioned, kind of mirror our emotions and they're all sensitive in different, in different ways, just like people. Some of us are more perceptive than others, but just kind of meeting for like Gigi is his horse meeting forward where he's at and slowing down when he needed it and just really reading his cues so many I mean yeah in the beginning he like I said couldn't play with his hands at all and now we're like getting beanbags and throwing them across and we're doing high fives and we're doing song motions and he's signing for Gigi to go and telling her with his voice. So, and he, you know, in the beginning too, he would lay down after a couple of minutes and we'd have to stop and take a break. And now he can be on the whole half an hour. So I think endurance wise too, I've seen a huge change. Yeah. We actually were almost completely unable to get Ford in just a car seat mm-hmm. before he started riding Gigi. Mm-hmm. I would have to open his legs with my elbows and try to keep him sitting back in his seat just to get his buckles in because his legs were so tight they were almost constantly crossed and you know Ford had been in all of the therapy a couple times a week up until that point and nothing opened his legs up the way that sitting on the horse had. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. That was one of my most favorite things that has happened. And it happened really quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I feel like with him, it happened a lot faster than I see with other kiddos. You know, part of that is his age, probably just starting so young. But just the type of tone that he has, like, I think the nice part about the horse is it's so I mean, especially in the winter, you have the warmth from the horse, which helps our muscles relax. And then just the all the steps over and over that the horse takes help from a neuromotor perspective, just give our brain that signal of what normal movement feels like. So his body gets to relax where it's tight, but it also helps him as his legs relax, he's able to sit up better because he's not so tight there. So yeah, it's just, I mean, like we were talking about our body and our mind, everything works together and our body, especially is kind of a chain. So if you can get relaxing or more strength in one area, it's going to affect the rest of your body and you're going to be able to do more just overall. Yes. Awesome. So tell me about the gait itself of a horse uh, walking. I don't want to obliterate what it actually does or mimics. Um, But when people ask me, I normally say, yeah, the gait of the horse kind of activates the same muscles in Ford's body that maybe would perhaps be turning on if he was walking. But I might have made that up. No, not at all. That's definitely part of it. The muscles that we use is one thing of it. But then also just the message our brain is getting of what normal movement in the sense that when the horse moves or when we walk, we move what we call in three dimensions. So we're kind of moving forward and back. We're moving side to side. And to walk or to sit or all that, you have to have kind of control in all those planes of movement. So the horse gives you that. It also, like the timing of how fast or slow the horse goes, give your your brain messages for that. And I think Kelsey as a PT can probably talk a little bit more to how the horse moves and gait specifically. Yeah. Kelsey, what are parents going to like really kind of expect to get out, hopefully from the physical aspect of it, of moving on the horse? The pelvis of a horse rotated down has a very similar makeup when a person sits on the horse the movement that they cause is very similar to the gait that we do when we're walking our pelvic moves in that three-dimensional that christina talked about where we go forward backwards side to side in that rotation so when we evaluate a kid in their gait we're looking at where their deficits are and their strengths are that are impairing them from walking and then we're going to choose a horse that may help facilitate that through their movement So it's kind of like, I like to call it like a pre-gait training on the horse without actually walking. So if a kiddo is struggling to get some rotation through their core, then I might choose a horse that has a lot of rotation to stretch and strengthen their body into those positions. That's just one example. There's, you know, many examples, like we could be here all day with all the, you know, different ways I think about or can change things. But overall, using that horse, you're not only getting the pelvic movement, into those same the same way you would move when you'd walk so you're getting the strength there but you also get those balance reactions of the core of okay when i move my pelvis this way how does my core engage to keep myself upright in that sitting position on the horse that then works into the standing position of standing and walking mm, kind of like what christina said yeah how activating something over here is going to change how everything else looks and we use those horses to address that physical side and at the same time using that whole body a lot of kids we talk about the sensory system also and so that plays a big component of getting their system set up to be ready to achieve new goals and take on things so we have to look at 
some systems need to be woken up and they need a lot of input. So we might choose a faster horse or a very concussive horse that's going to really give big jolts to the body. Or we might choose something that's smooth and rhythmic that's going to settle and calm the body. Those are two very broad spectrums and then there's everything in between for each case to case. But we're going to take all those in consideration to get that body a rhythmic symmetrical repetition in whatever our goal is. Typically that pre-gait, that standing, that balance, that kind of all those milestones tied together and building, they're essentially building blocks upon each other. Uh, to learn to walk. And with that, you, you can kind of build on that with your horse and the high repetition. As we know, repetition is huge with our clients, especially in the er early intervention, like Christina was talking about with Ford, getting them in at that younger two, three-year-old age. A horse can walk 1,800 to 2,000 steps in 30-minute session, which is a ton of repetition. And every time that horse steps, that person has to react on the horse and their body has to do that balance, that pelvic is moved. So we're getting a lot more repetitions than I would be able to do with just putting my hands on them, assisting them walking. And in a rhythmic, symmetrical way, as much as we can, that horse, you know, there is always a small variety. You can't be perfect every time with your motion, but I have more control of that horse's motion versus my hands on and trying to work with their body and, and tone and different aspects to get that movement. That is so cool. I love that. It kind of reminds me of a machine that Ford just used at a special program that we went to and the thing like rocked back and forth really fast and they'd put Ford's arms on it. Uh-huh. Is that kind of like the same idea of what that was doing? Did you see those videos, Christina? I saw some of them, but I don't remember seeing the one you're talking about with his arms. Uh-uh. Okay. Yeah. Well, I love the way you explained that. And I also really think that it's important for parents and caregivers to know that they're you're not just putting their kids on a horse that's available. Mm -hmm. You're really doing an in-depth evaluation. You have therapists who are so super in tune with not only the horses that they work with, but the evaluations are so in-depth and you even trade horses. I know Ford trade horses when you were like, you know what, I'm going to tweak this part. So you're doing it for their physical and sensory needs, sure, but you're also picking a horse that maybe matches emotionally with a kid. Absolutely. And sometimes kiddos will be on a horse for a couple months and then, you know, it, they progress and they need a horse that's going to challenge them more. And so we'll do a different horse for a few months and to have like, I think we have close to 30 horses here. So we have quite a few horses to choose from just even as, as the kiddos needs change. Do both of you have a moment or a kiddo or some profound accomplishment that one of the riders have done that has really stuck with you? Oh, that's so hard. There's so there's so many things. I mean, I've definitely worked with kiddos who, you know, were even a little bit older, like five, six, seven, and hadn't started walking yet. And after coming here for a few months, took their first steps, which at that age, you know, we don't always think that that's going to be, be possible. So I've definitely had some of those. I've had a lot of kiddos who either have autism or have more behavioral challenges, social emotional things. And to just see the bond that they develop with the horse and how they grow like in the team. So when they're on the horse, there's the therapist, a sidewalker on the opposite side of the horse and then somebody behind driving the horse. And just to see kiddos who, you know, are so shy and wouldn't talk to anybody but their parents, like just start developing those relationships and playing and just feeling safe and connected here, I think 
little bit in many ways becomes a huge community for people, especially, you know, right now during COVID, it's just so nice to have a place that you are connected and feel understood. So I think, yeah, I've seen some amazing physical things, but also the social component is huge. Right now, the one that sticks in my head first for an actual story for you is something recently I'm doing. So of course it pops in first is actually in a adult client that I'm working with right now that has both some sensory needs and physical needs. They're here to see me for their physical needs as a physical therapist, but I have to address their whole system to help them participate. And we've been working with the horse's movement from that sensory side and making sure his system gets enough to help him communicate better with me so I can give him directions. He has some behaviors that come out with different talking and voices and things and having certain levels of hearing in that part. So using that system to get him regulated so then I can give him directions to then reach our physical goals. So it's kind of been this step to step and we're going from needing a couple people to help us get on the horse to, to you know, really doing the majority of the work by ourselves. And he did his first trot last week. And so it's just been a pretty cool series for me. But as Christina said, I could go back in my time here and not only I think the personal stories of me watching kids take steps or, you know, meet those goals we're setting, but getting to work with other therapists, having this great place where we have all three disciplines that work together and using, we have a a co-treat program here where our therapists get to work with the other therapists of other disciplines and step in at no cost to the families and essentially give advice on how to address their, whatever their expertise is. So a speech therapist can use an OT to help with the sensory system or the OT can use me as a physical therapist to help with some of their positioning and things. And watching that, that team concept and that full body concept for the kids and then we get goals reached both in their actual discipline and then those extra goals that come with it is just really a, a cool thing to see. I love that story. And yes, I am I need to make sure that I'm not just saying that this is for kids because this is obviously for adults as well for adaptive writing and hippotherapy. And that's really cool. And I'm really excited to know how much you kind of embrace the collaboration aspect of bringing in all different types of therapy because they're all connected, right? I think that's really cool. Absolutely. I love Little Bit so much. It's my favorite place. (laughs) (laughs) What's new and exciting for them coming up or what are ways that the community or families who are writing or families who love ones who are writing can help support Little Bit? Well, right now things, you know, as we know, times right now are just are different so it's kind of an evolving door in figuring out how we prioritize our safety while still getting these kids and adults their services that they need so we've made adjustments here to where our therapy room even is and a lot more outdoor covered therapy spaces and stuff to help be outside during a lot of our therapy so there's always just different needs as a nonprofit. we have a giving tree online. I believe it's posted online on our Facebook page now. If not, it'll be up really soon of how you can donate and help from that aspect. But it doesn't have to be a physical donation or anything that way. We just always love the support and telling people about what we do and just working on that word of mouth of of learning about Little Pit and and what it is as it's not a well-known therapy at this time. So talking about these fun stories and sharing things like the podcast out to other therapists and things so that we can connect with them and continue to educate on how these horses can help these kids and adults meet 
their goals. Yeah. I mean, Ford's done it all. I've been in every type of therapy, aqua therapy, you know, all of the things. And nothing has pushed him more forward than hippotherapy. I'm obsessed with it. It's changed Ford's body alignment. It's changed his confidence. It's changed his anxiety. And he gets stronger and stretchier every time we go. So I'm always shouting it to the rooftops. (laughs) And I don't know if right now is open for that but normally you always you also accept volunteers correct yeah typically we bring in volunteers right now we've been using our volunteer base and not done new volunteer training but hopefully we get back to that soon as we are very we're a volunteer dependent nonprofit. we need them for horse care we need them for actually in the sessions barn care and then other even office and cleaning things that go on so there's lots of different ways that you can volunteer and help out at this time it's a little harder obviously with our restrictions but once things are able to open back up we are always looking for assistance Yes. Okay. That's a great place to volunteer and you get to be outside. You get to learn a lot. You get to see the diversity and you get to be around horses. So you get to play and laugh and sing songs and go pick flowers and feed carrots. Yeah. Like that's, that's the other fun part. I think of our job is that anytime you work with kids, like play is your therapy, but here it's just another, you know, it's another level. Like when, even when we're off the horse, we do some stuff in the barn, like brushing the horses and working on standing balance or carrying a tray with the carrots to work on arm stuff. So there's so many things in this environment, even off of the horse that we can do. The fun things that you're getting some bang for your buck from Mm -hmm. as well. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'll let you back to your horses. Thanks so much for talking to me a little bit about hippotherapy and our special place little bit here that we have in our community. I can't wait to share it with other people who are considering this type of therapy because it's the best. I love it so much. And thanks for therapists like you who come into it with so much extra passion behind it. It makes it even that much better. Well, you're welcome. We love it for sure. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate y'all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you.